You're listening to Everyday Parents, a day in the life podcast. We share the everyday routines of parents from all kinds of families. Our episodes start with getting to know each guest family, then go through their daily routine and wrap up with some reflective questions about parenting. I'm Jerome Cluck, a stay-at-home dad to our daughter, Charlie, and half of your hosting team. And I'm Caitlin Kirby, Jerome's wife, Charlie's mom, and your podcast co-host. On today's episode, we have Larry. Larry is one of the co-hosts of the As Dad As It Gets podcast, the podcast for dads by dads, where he and his co-hosts navigate the ins and outs of parenthood. Larry and his wife have a three-year-old daughter who came to them via the foster care system as a newborn, and they have since adopted. Welcome, Larry. Please tell us a little bit about your family. Um, so my family is relatively small. It's it's uh, me, my wife, our daughter, and our three dogs and cat. I guess it's not that small. Uh, my daughter is three, uh, Calliope, which when we decided the name, um, I realized that's one of the hardest parts of being a parent. We got the idea for Calliope um, because I was like, oh, it's it's a Greek muse. Uh, well, I guess I should back up. So um, me and my wife, uh, my wife is a nurse. I'm an operational support specialist for an office, which is as fun as it, it sounds. So uh, we got married in 2016, and we decided that we were going to try for a family. Um, we tried for years and realized that uh, we had some infertility problems. My, my wife has PCOS. So we, we tried like uh, all these fertility treatments and everything, and nothing took. We kind of gave up after that, like with... Um, infertility it, it affects I, I know you you hear a lot about how it affects women but it affects men too like both she and I were uh, extremely depressed on everything um, so we just kind of decided to take a break on it when you say treatments do you mean like IUI and IVF IVF yeah IUI all okay. that um, and, and like nothing like we we were just kind of spending money we didn't have to to try to, uh, because we wanted to be parents. Yeah. That's really tough. Yeah. It, it was, it was very tough. Like it, it hit my wife harder than it hit me because she was the one with, with the hormones and, and going through the treatments. I was just kind of there, um, watching it all. Um, but we were like, we, you know, we want to still help. Like we, we have this empty house, um, a lot of love to give. So we decided to foster. Uh, so in July or January um, of 2020, we started going through our foster classes. Um, and then we finished our classes in the end of February. At the end of February, beginning of March, the tornadoes hit Tennessee. It knocked out all communication in, in, our, ta- in our town. So we had no internet. We had no cell phones. We had nothing. When everything came back up, my wife gets a Facebook message from someone that she used to work with. I was like, hey, I know you guys uh, just completed your foster training. My cousin has a child she's not able to take care of. Would you guys be willing to take this newborn? And it was it was like one of the most surreal moments of my life um, because me and my wife just stood up and we were like, uh, it kind of sounds too good to be true. Um, like 
we we're going to get to help a child. Uh, so we agreed to it. So March 5th, we contacted um, DCS and let them know what was going on. They were like, okay, well, you're not fully approved to be foster parents yet. We have to do the house inspections and stuff like that. But they were like, we can, we can get you on fast track for that. So the night of March 5th, they had somebody at our house looking at everything. Like they wasted no time. So they, they gave us a list of things to fix. Um, and they were like, you know, just, it's a short list. Um, as long as you're at least trying to fix it, we'll go ahead and approve you. March 6th. So we, we had March 5th and March 6th to prepare for being parents. Um, we had nothing to like nothing at all for, for, uh, a newborn, a premature newborn at, at that. Um, we were prepared for five, six, seven year olds. Um, cause that's typically what you will foster, um, in the foster system. So we had no crib, no clothes, nothing. Um, and I was talking to my boss at the time and I was like, I'm going to need to take some time off. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be a foster dad. And that, when I said that, that's when it set in. And, and I just remember starting to panic that I was like, I'm not ready. Uh, uh, my boss, my coworkers, like my boss's boss, the CEO of the company that I work for had gone to Walmart and just bought a bunch of stuff for me. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So I, uh, I come out and, and like we have clothes, um, diapers, like pacifiers, bottles. Um, but then we, uh, we bring home this newborn and my wife and I, we were like, we've got to discuss names, um, you know, if we get to adopt her. And so we went through a list of things. Like when you, when you parent, you don't realize how many people you don't like until you try to name a kid. Um, the only name we could, we could agree on was uh, Calliope because she was kind of amused to us. And, and I thought Calliope was a fairly common name ever since Grey's Anatomy. It's not. Um, people will mispronounce her name. They call her Calliope, um, Calipe, things like that. Like they, they cannot pronounce that name. Um, but we, uh, we brought her home and, and we went through the foster system and, and after about a year we got to adopt her. I had a, a crash course in parenting. Like the, the foster care training tells you how to deal with trauma. Um, it tells you how to deal with like regulating children and things like that. Doesn't tell you how to change a diaper or anything like that. Um, so everything that I've been through as far as a parent it, it was very uh, trial by fire. Was there a lot of uncertainty in that first year with her, with her being in the foster system as far as adoption, or was it relatively straightforward as far as foster to adoption goes? So for our case, typically with fostering, um, the main goal for fostering is to reunite them with their biological family. Um, studies show that that's where kids thrive the most. For us, it's a small town, and, and the woman that my wife worked with, they're actually distantly related, didn't know it. Like, small town, everybody's related to everybody. <laughs> so we had uh, an unusual situation where we were considered kinship, um, so we had a lot of communication with my daughter's biological family. We still do. Um, 
so like my my daughter has a, a couple of sisters and a brother um, that live in other states but we we uh, we have good relationships with their cousins um, you know aunts uncles it with us it was kind of not uncertain um, we we had hoped that she would get to be reunited with her family with um, her parents but we uh, if it didn't happen she still has that biological link uh, I won't go into too much details as far as the situation of, of her birth and everything um, but uh, we we try to be as open as possible about her adoption and about her family um, we try to explain as best as you can to a three-year-old that she grew up in another mommy's belly and came to live with us. Um, and for the most part, she doesn't really care. Uh, she knows she's got a couple cool cousins that like hang out at her birthday parties and go to the park with her and stuff like that. Uh, but for, for our situation, it, it was very, um, we were, we were like, we were pretty certain we were going to get to adopt her. And that's why we had just started deciding a name with our, journey to being parents like we had a lot of problems with with friends because when you deal with infertility it's it's hard not to get bitter about those things like you're trying so hard you're doing everything you can you're drinking these weird teas to help you know for, with fertility and, and things like that like you're you're going to to doctor's offices and and pretty much being violated um by these medical professionals uh, just so you can be a parent. And then your friends are like, well, we accidentally had a kid. We don't really want to, but I guess we're parents now. Like me being an adopted father, um, the one of the first things that people tell me is like, oh, yeah, you're a real dad. And it's like, yeah, I know I am. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you, you're kind of overplaying it here. So it, it doesn't seem like you, you think that. Um, but then people get really personal for the questions that they ask. They're like, uh, were her parents on drugs or, or like, um, like are they, are they criminals and stuff like that? It's like, that's not something you ask an, an actual person or like a normal person in a conversation. You don't go up to somebody when you meet them and you're like, were your parents on drugs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing that I didn't realize as a parent, um, my childhood was uh it was extremely traumatic um like my 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 old therapist was like okay you have ptsd from this stuff um but i, I thought i was like relatively functional um when we started foster training my wife was like are you sure you want to go through this and i was like yeah why and she's like i'm worried it's going to bring up some stuff from your childhood and stuff like that and i'm like no it's fine i my childhood wasn't that bad and then uh we go through foster care training i'm like oh my god my childhood was screwed up <laughs> uh so that that just adds another challenge to it it's like how do i raise my daughter um with the trauma that she's already going to have from you know being adopted, even if she doesn't remember it, there's still trauma there. But how do I do that without adding my own trauma to it? And that's kind of why I started uh, my podcast, As Dad As It Gets, is because I wanted to try to learn 
how to parent as well as helping other people parent as I'm doing this stuff. So now is she in like daycare or preschool um, with you and your wife both working? Yeah. Uh, so after we, after my six weeks was up, um, we took her to her, her grandmother's house and her grandmother watched her for a little bit. Um, That's your wife's and, mom. And it, it was uh, her, her, her mother's mother. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So my daughter has like a, a weird family tree now. Cause it's like, she has biological grandmothers, adopted grandmothers, like All um, right. her, her biological mother was adopted. Um, so she has like 20 grandmas. Uh, it's, it's very confusing. Um, trying to explain that to people when they're like, okay, so how, who's this? How do you know them? Uh, but no, she, she stayed with her, her mother's adopted mother. Um, so she stayed with her for a couple weeks, uh, before we could, uh, find a daycare. Um, and we eventually found a daycare that accepted, um, six month olds. The, the biggest problem with daycares, especially after COVID was, uh, a lot of the daycares around here, they think they've got you, excuse my language, but they think they got you by the balls. So they're like, uh, you, you can either deal with us and deal with our shenanigans or good luck finding another daycare because they're all booked out three years ahead of time. Um, but we recently got tired of it and, and switched daycares, which, uh, is interesting um, because like I'm agnostic. My, my wife is like agnostic atheist somewhere on there, but our daughter attends a uh, Presbyterian nursery. <laughs> um, so now we're having to discuss religion, which is something that I'm open to, but it's, it's hard to discuss when we don't actually practice it, which, but the daycare is, is really good about, they don't, they don't push anything. They just, um, deal with, with taking care of our child and they're very, um, open and honest about everything. Um, so I love them there. You've mentioned quite an extensive support network in raising <laughs> your daughter. Any, I don't know, anything else to note about your village and who are kind of the most important players right now? With us, it's uh, like a lot of my family, because of the, the background that, that I have, um, it's my, both of my parents passed away. Um, my older brother is, is like very addicted to drugs. Um, my sister's recovering, which we're kind of letting her back in our lives, kind of pinky toe at a time. Um so none of my family is really involved in my daughter's life. Uh, my, my oldest brother didn't even know that we adopted. Um, even though he, he's, he's met her. Uh, so, so that, that part's, uh, difficult. Everyone else that, that has been involved, um, they are extremely involved. My, my mother-in-law and father-in-law live right down the street. Um, they visit every day, every single day, uh, which I love them, but I see way too much of them. Uh, At first, you, I was like, oh, that's oh, that's sweet. No, I, <laughs> they, they are great. I honestly wouldn't have made it without them. 
let's hear what what life is like now a day in the life what time do you get up and what happens first it's a lot more structured than how it started um so me and my wife during the weekdays we will wake up well my wife complained about this to me today actually i I set an alarm at five o'clock and 5 30 and then get out of bed at, at six so she's like why do you set two alarms and then just silence them i was like because those are my my pre-game alarms like <laughs> uh so we, we 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 get out of bed at six um i'll my wife gets ready for work i will take our dogs out one at a time because they will not focus if another dog's out there i'll feed the cat make sure the dogs have water put them in their crates and then after that me and my wife will go into my daughter's room together and, and kind of gently wake her up as gently as possible. Usually if she doesn't wake up, we'll start blasting Taylor Swift because that's her favorite right now. <laughs> and then uh, we'll give her some time to wake up about 30 minutes by no later than six thirty, She has to be up. Um, and, and now we've, we potty trained. So first thing she does when she wakes up is she goes and pees. So as she's going to pee, I go and I fix our lunches. Um, my wife continues to get ready. When she's done peeing, my wife gets her clothes out for the day. And depending on who's doing what, either I will dress her or my wife will dress her. We'll take her to daycare. We'll go to work. Um, my, my wife typically will drive her to daycare. I get off earlier than my wife. So once I get off work, I'll go pick her up. And then she and I will hang out for about uh, 30 minutes before my wife gets home. Then we will start cooking dinner once my wife gets home, which I'm going to say it. I hope my wife doesn't listen to this episode, but <laughs> she's not the best cook. I, I, lo- I love her dearly. Oh, no. But uh, I, I'm more passionate about cooking. Like <laughs> I'm fat, so my food's my <laughs> life. <laughs> so I, uh, I I do all the cooking. Um, and I've, I've started trying to teach Callie to cook. Uh, so she has a little um, like stool that she climbs up on and she'll help me. Um, any, any spices or anything she, she loves to pour it in. Uh, we'll, we'll cook dinner. We'll eat dinner. Um, typically, dinner's done no later than 6.30. So as Callie's eating, my in-laws will come over and they'll stay till about 7. Um, so they spend about 30, 30 to 40 minutes with Callie. Each, each and every day. I, I think since she's been born, they have missed a total of uh, maybe a week where they haven't seen her. Uh, even even in situations where like we go on vacation, they're like, hey, you have to FaceTime us. Um, they, they, they cannot go a day without seeing her. And it's honestly fantastic. But uh, they'll spend some time with her, um, that which gives me time to deal with the dogs, take them out, uh, let them do their thing. Um, then Callie will play with the dogs. Uh, we, we have such a, a different in sizes for each dog. We've got a, a, a pug, a Jack Russell miniature pincer mix, and then a hound mixed with an American bulldog. So she's like 50 pounds. Um, but she's honestly the, the biggest sweetheart, like she, she's gentle. Um, so Callie will play with her and then, uh, around seven, we will start bath time. 
do bath, brush your teeth. Um, and then my wife and I will, uh, rotate on who reads to her that night. Like one thing I'm adamant on is she gets a story every night, regardless of if she's been good or bad. That's not something that I had as growing up. So we will always read to her. Uh, throughout the week, she does have different activities going on. And, and it's funny, I, I mentioned my, my wife and I being introvert. Well, she's a complete opposite. She is extrovert, like extremely extrovert. She loves attention. She loves making friends, talking to people. We go to the grocery store and like, it's like she's making friends with everyone or making enemies. Um, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we were we were at the grocery store and a woman, me being my introvert self, I, I try to avoid human contact. Um, a woman was in front of the eggs. I don't know what she was doing, like 15 minutes in front of the eggs. I'm like, okay, I'll just pretend like I, I need this cheese over here and wait for her to move so I can get it. <laughs> and Callie just looks at this woman and screams, move. <laughs> and so now i'm forced to interact with her i'm so sorry we we just need eggs that's great yeah she she's very rude at times better her yelling it than you so yeah. uh, at gets least the job uh, done it did it was very effective um, it's yeah it's still cute for now too so you might as well enjoy it yeah and she's <laughs> she's rather small for her her age um so she's like 30 pounds now at age three uh, and a lot of people, a lot of friends that have kids that are one years old have 29 pound babies. Um, but uh, Tuesdays, she does tumbling class. Fridays, she does tap and ballet. And then sprinkled in the weekends, she will do pageants, which she's actually got a pageant tomorrow, uh, which that, that was also something that I was worried about because you you watch uh, like toddlers and tiaras and, and you're like, Oh, this is terrible. I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to subject her to it. But then I went to my first pageant and it was fantastic. Like she, she loves dressing up in the pretty dresses. Um, she loves going out on stage and, and like dancing and waving at people. Um, so don't believe everything you see on TV as far as that. Okay. Boy, she is yeah. extroverted though, huh? She is extremely extroverted. Wow. So you said you, you read to her at bedtime. Mm -hmm. uh, what else is part of the bedtime routine? And then is she in a toddler bed? Uh, yeah. So um, last year we transitioned from crib to bed um, because one thing that DCS is very strict on is the safe sleep. Um, the ABCs asleep. So we had to follow them to a T because if we didn't, um, I mean, there's a chance that it could cost us our daughter. Um, so we were very strict on that. And she got to the point to where she was able to crawl out of it, of the crib. So it was like, okay, we have to, um, transition to toddler bed because that's what they say. Um, so we, we did that. And then, uh, just a couple of months ago, she actually got her first, uh, big girl bed. So she has a full size bed now. Um, and so what I like about it versus the toddler bed is actually I can lay down in bed with her 
that's extremely comfortable. Um, so there've been a couple of times where I've started to doze off. Uh, but we, we typically will with me, it's, I'm, I'm more of the pushover and it's funny because I told my wife when we first started dating that I never wanted to get married and I never wanted to have kids. But now I like, she's extremely like I'm wrapped around her finger. Um, but we will read typically my wife reads like four books and she's done. And then it's like, okay, you're going to bed. And she just will lay down, um, me where I'm, I'm a big softy. Um, I'll read about six books, six or, or 10. And after that, we will talk about our day. Um, we'll talk about any feelings that she's had, uh, any good things, bad things that happened. And then she will ask me to rub her feet and sing to her um, so she can go to sleep. So I'll, I'll sit there for about 30 minutes rubbing her feet and and humming the uh, the lullaby that my mom sang to me uh, for my wife she she's more she'll she'll talk to her about her feelings we've been trying to do affirmations so we'll, we're working on that and she's like okay you're gonna go to bed and Callie will just comply like she does not really fight it and on the weekends when she wakes up for some reason that girl will not get out of bed until someone else is in there. Uh, so I, I thankfully have not experienced any of the horror stories where uh, somebody wakes up to a toddler five feet from their face. No, she just screams for me and she's like, Hey, come get me. <laughs> like, All right. Does she nap on the weekends? Yeah. Uh, she, she naps at daycare for about an hour um, on the weekends. Uh, which weekends tend to be a little bit different. Um, so on the weekends, our days are we wake up around eight or so, seven to eight is typically when she'll wake up on her own. Then I'll come in, get her, and we'll play till about 12. And then she naps from 12 to two. She'll wake up again and then we'll go full force playing. Um, we'll eat lunch in between there, breakfast. Um, we're at the stage where she doesn't want anything but chicken nuggets, pizza rolls, and cheese. Like the, the toddler staple food yeah, groups. That's about where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very frustrating. Um but the thing the thing that I'll give it to her just because I'm so worried that she's not gonna eat. The thing is I'll I'll in between that I'm like, hey, let's have a snack. Let's have these these veggie pouches. I don't call them veggie pouches, I call them no. like something else that's not healthy. Um, so she gets her, her servings that way. We try not to create a negative, uh, relationship with food. So we don't try to force her to eat anything like me growing up. It's, it's, we didn't have a lot of food, so it's you eat this or you go hungry for us. It's like, okay, you have to try this. If you don't like it, that's fine. Um, but at least try it. If not, we'll make something else. It's it's things like that, like trying to, to raise them differently. Yeah, I never really thought too much about like my childhood or you, you don't really consider anything abnormal when it's the only thing you've known to experience. Yeah. Um, and as we've talked to so many people for this podcast, um, everyone seems to do like a very 
uh, sudden and good job of assessing like what worked for them, what they liked growing up with, what they wish their parents didn't do, and applying that. Or at least the people who are like invested enough to do something like come on to a podcast about parenting, right? Like obviously yeah. we're getting a skewed yeah. sample, but there are so many people who are working to break some of those generational patterns and Yeah, that's a good point. I guess if you're <laughs> if you're aware enough to have those questions and thoughts, then you're probably in a good place is what I keep coming back to. Hello, Everyday Parents listeners. We are so grateful to have you along for the ride with us here, and we hope that you are riding with us elsewhere as well, such as on Instagram or Facebook or our Patreon, where for $3 a month, you can get video episodes of the show. And Jerome is doing a bit. No, I... I thought this accompaniment might be nice. Thought it would be pleasing. All right. Well, if you think we should add audio clips of Jerome humming to our Patreon to soothe you and or your newborns, feel free to get in touch and let us know. You can also find us on our website, everydayparentspod.com, or email us at everydayparentspod at gmail.com. La, 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 la. <laughs> here i'm gonna give you uh three wrap-up questions and you can take right. them in any order you like so uh what would you say has been an example of a parenting win recently and what would you say has been an example of a parenting challenge and when you are not being a parent what do you like to do to take time for yourself so for my parenting wins i've got two actually one is potty training we finally went over that hill and she's now peeing and pooping in the potty um, which saves us so much money on diapers. Yeah. It, it's to the point now to where when I go to the bathroom and come out, she, my daughter is like, okay, get some candy from the, the candy <laughs> dish because you pooped. But uh, another win um, was something that was completely unexpected. Um, and it was one of those situations where I looked and I was like, yeah, I'm doing okay as a parent. So we took my daughter a couple weeks ago to uh, the park and she absolutely loves, she's like a little mama. She, she will anything, baby, baby dolls, like, uh, she's there for it. There was a younger child, which the parents were not as present with this little one-year-old as, as I would have been. So we were, we were keeping an eye her, th this little boy's parents were like over at the other side. Um, and Callie, attached herself to said baby they they walk over to a swing and a little girl comes out of nowhere runs into the swing and pushes it and when she pushed it it knocked the baby over um so this baby starts crying well my daughter picks this baby up um and and like dusts his knees off and, and hugs him and kisses him and makes sure he's okay and it's like that level of compassion is, is something that honestly made me extremely proud because I, she was just fantastic with him and, and the parents even, even said so, um, a kind of a, a parenting fail on mine. 
this is a morbid thing. Um, so where, where Callie has been noticing that my parents aren't around, um, we have been having the death talk with her. So, so I pick her up from daycare. We're driving down the road and she's like, daddy, where's your mommy at? I was like, well, my mom got sick. Um, and she died. Um, which in, in our episode of, of our death episode, we, we researched and, and like the experts say, don't kind of dance around the situation because if you're like, Oh, they passed away or they went to a better place. It's like, okay, well when they're coming back, right. It's like, no, you, you want to tell them that this is a thing where they're not coming back from. Um, so we were having that conversation, uh, in the middle of it, my sister calls and, uh, during our conversation, Callie and I, I was like, you know, that was my, my sister's, which she calls her aunt Kiki. She's like, that was, I, I told her that was aunt Kiki's mom as well. As soon as I said that my sister calls and the first thing she hears when I pick up the phone is, Hey Kiki, your mom's dead. <laughs> and I was like, Oh God. God bless these children. Yeah. Um, and, and my sister just, there was silence and I was like, you okay? Um, so that was, that was a fun thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and now she, she constantly will, will remind her of it. And it's like, she's not trying to be malicious. She's just stating facts. But, uh, when I'm not, being a dad like me and my wife will uh we'll watch movies we'll find tv shows together <laughs> we're starting to watch old people shows uh, like yeah jeopardy uh, wheel of fortune things like that family feud um but when we're not watching tv together um my wife and I will typically play lego games um or she'll read books um i will I'm more of a gamer. Do you mean like the Lego, like Lego Harry Potter for like console kind of games or? Yeah. Like, well, we've, we've gotten into uh Lego star Wars here recently. Okay. We've done, um, we've done Lego Jurassic park and Lego Harry <laughs> Potter. They're great, especially for couples. The, the Skywalker saga is mm -hmm. fantastic. The humor is wonderful. It is. Uh, it's great. <laughs> it is. So cheeky. But, uh, I, I will, play games like i've got my ps5 my my pc um I, i've got vr you name it i've got it um but when i'm not gaming i will work on podcast stuff and that's really all my hobbies uh what about your wife i guess i mean same kind of deal then i mean she she's less of a gamer than i am um she she'll read um she crochets which she's tried to teach me how to do that cool I, yeah. It's it's witchcraft. Um, <laughs> she's currently making Callie a blanket. She she doom scrolls a lot. She's a, a big advocate for uh, the LGBTQ community. So like, she's very. Um, she will fight people for that. <laughs> she's more crafty than I am. Uh, if if we need anything built or crafted. Um, she, she's got a cricket machine that she will make an entire birthday party out of. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to share a day in your life with us. And with yeah, it was wonderful yeah. to meet you. It was fun. Very, I'm as dead as it gets. Uh, I am amazed at how involved his in-laws were 
that's crazy to think that like they haven't missed a day of that kid's life pretty much. Yeah. We always talk about just how much easier things would be like, you know, if you had that village. Yeah. And it really, I've been thinking, I mean, in general, it really is a feature of modern parenting because moving out of your hometown wasn't as typical in generations past as it is now. One other thing, uh, when he was talking about his daughter telling that woman to move out of the way of the eggs, I had a moment today where I was on the bus with her. Sometimes, you know, Charlie likes to just ride the bus. So I'll swipe the bus pass and off we'll go on a, a route. And as we were on our way back on the bus, this guy gets on and he stinks like weed. He's got like his big sunglasses on and he goes and he sits right next to us. And Charlie has recently begun like announcing her poops and like, or manures in the cow field. She'll be like, this stinks, this stinks. So this guy sits down next to us and I'm just like, you know, please not now, Charlie. Like, I don't want to have to talk to this guy. Uh, just please don't. And it was the stinkiest stink ever. And she didn't say a thing mercifully. She has started whenever we go anywhere, she'll say, what's that guy doing about anybody? Everybody is that guy. And so I don't want to have to like explain that to people like, no, no, she's not saying you're a guy. She's just saying, what's that guy doing? Hey, dude. one thing that i was struck by too in his story was the way that people feel really entitled to the stories of adoptees and their families and their heritage in a way that like he pointed out we do not do for people who we assume or who are from their biological families well thank you larry for coming and sharing a piece of your story and your daughter's story and your wife's story with us